Welcome to Awake to Oneness Radio. I am Caroline Chang, your host. The mission of Awake to Oneness Radio is to inspire the world to awaken to the universal truth of oneness. Science is now teaching us that all life is interconnected and interdependent. So basically what you do to another person, you're literally doing to another aspect of yourself. Now, ancient wisdom and spirituality has been teaching the truth of oneness for eons. Now, science is actually just starting to catch up with that, the wisdom of oneness and universal connect, connection. Um, once the world, mankind as a whole, awakens to the universal truth of oneness, there will be peace on earth. Today's show topic is An Outlaw Makes It Home with Eli Jackson Bear. Thank you, Eli, for being my mm. guest again on mm. Awake to Oneness Radio. Thank you, Carolyn. Good to be here. Thank and you. As for science and oneness, all we have to do is recognize that basically we are survival suits for DNA. And we know that. That's, mm -hmm. like, that's a given unless you're some kind of creationist thing. So then you see where else is DNA? And then that takes us back through every single creature that's alive. Yeah. The same DNA. Mm. Wow. The same DNA. Mm -hmm. The difference between us and a fruit fly is like we share 97% of the exact same thing, right? Exactly. There's 3% variation, but it's the same DNA. Yes. Because yes. we're all, so every animal is a feeding tube. Okay. And the hard part of DNA is actually making the feeding tube. That's mm. where most of the programming goes, which is why we have mostly the same DNA as a fruit fly, because we're both feeding tubes. The rest is just accessories. Mm. Interesting. So, <laughs> how you accessorize your feeding tube, you know, if you put the, you know, how many arms you give it, if you make it bipedal or crawls or whatever it is, that's just accessorizing the feeding tube. So that's minor wow. program. The major wow. stuff is in making the, making the cells that we laid and then having the cells cooperate and make a tube. The rest is easy. <laughs> so, so, okay, so now we know absolutely that we are the same as everything that has DNA. Yes. And most of the beings in our world are one-celled creatures. Mm -hmm. If suddenly all of the mammals disappear, the one-celled creatures carry on quite nicely. The planet continues because it's yes. the same DNA in a different survival suit. Mm -hmm. And eventually it will evolve as it does, depending on the conditions. Yes. And so the problem is, now we know that scientifically, and we yes. might believe it. But if you believe it and you don't realize it, it becomes a trap. Okay, explain that. Well, the great example that I have are the Aborigine people mm -hmm. in Australia. I saw an incredible video done about these people, and they had four pillars of their, their culture, their society. The first was their belief in the oneness of everything, that I am one with the rocks, I am one with the earth, I'm one with everything, every creature. We are, that's a belief that was passed down for thousands of years through the same people. Yes. Then they had their religion, which was their rights and things. Then they had their family, and they had their land. Those are their four pillars. Okay. When the imperialist white people came in, they took the land, they broke up the families, they gave them a new religion. They forced Jesus on them. Mm -hmm. And in that, they lost their oneness, because oneness was still conditional. And so in losing oneness, they lose, they become despair and they go into alcohol and drugs and suicide, of course, because everything's been taken from you. But that's why oneness must be realized. So that even in facing your own extinction and facing everything taken away, you can stand. You don't become an alcoholic. You don't become a drug addict. You stand for the truth as they cut you down. So true. So true. That's why for me, oneness, the name of the show, Awake to Oneness, mm. is so, 
to me, oneness is the core. Like you just said that the Aborigines, and I didn't know that, that, you know, their ancestry based up, passed that down. And you will actually find that in, in almost every single culture um, in Africa and South Africa. Uh, in Africa, I think they call it Mbutu. I hope I'm saying it correctly because I have a very dear friend who is South African and she um, has in what, uh, told me, shared with me the Mbutu which is the same thing you just said with the Aborigines. They were doing it in Africa. In every corner of the world, oneness was the foundation for their belief system, for their religion. And, uh, and, and so that, that, and now science is just catching up to the ancient wisdom of the, of the truth of oneness. But we, I love how you jumped into the DNA because we jumped into everything, but we didn't really get a chance to have you introduce yourself to our listeners. Eli, please share. I know, like I said, this is our second show together, and I know a little bit about your journey, but please share with our listeners who may not be familiar with you of uh, who you are. Nothing at all. Ah, interesting. Interesting. I, I, I find that I find that answer interesting, but I would say you're everything. Same. Okay. <laughs> okay. Because I the only difference is the trap is if you start with everything, then nothing becomes a concept. But if you start with nothing and realize absolutely nowhere nothing. That's who I am. Then everything becomes a natural expression of that. Okay. Okay. I, I hear you. I do. Because um, for me, my term for God is all that is. That's where it, it, there's nothing outside of God. We, no one, no thing can be outside of God. And being a part of God, we're holistic parts of God, meaning we're all in the little in the little tiny, when the, I, I repeat this um, uh, Rumi's quote a lot. You are not a drop in the ocean. You are the ocean in a drop. So we, we're all of God in a drop. So I, I understand what you say when you say nothing, but I, when I think of nothing, I think there is nothing that is not God. That's right, same. Yeah. Yes, yes. So wonderful, so wonderful. <laughs> you still didn't answer the question. <laughs> okay. So, for, I mean, you did, you did, you did. I mean, for the listeners, for the listeners. That for the are listeners, not, you are the same as I am. Yes, yes. Oh, God, my That's okay. That's all right. We still roll with it. I like that ringtone. <laughs> oh, gosh. That's okay. It's all good. Okay, it's all good. Okay, so that I love your answer. That's everything. <laughs> For the listeners, they are the same. Very true. Very true. But we're all unique aspects yes. of God. So yes. tell, share your uniqueness with us. You know, it's all in the details. And there's tens of billions of details, infinite, you know. But that ultimately is like a snowflake. It's like each snowflake is completely unique and different. Yes. And how many do you have to look at, you know, till pretty much it all becomes snow? Right. <laughs> <laughs> and it piles up, starts to pile up. I live in the world. Exactly. So, <laughs> I'm doing my best to shovel. Oh my goodness. No, I live in the Poconos. We had five feet of snow uh, March 2nd. Okay, here in the Poconos. <laughs> so when you talk about snow, but okay, well, I will let, I'm going to share your book, your latest book, and okay. Outlaw Makes It Home. Here's the cover, which is uh, your, your latest book that was just recently published. So that's me in Peru. That's me in Peru in 1972. Here's something about me. Oh. You got my, that's me in Peru in 1972, okay. in the uncharted outback, where I was on my spiritual search. Okay, okay. So here's something. 
Yes. <laughs> Eli. <laughs> so now, okay, which this is a beautiful, I love it. I love it. Please share. And I, I thought that was you. I, I didn't know for sure, but I did think that was you. Yeah. That is such a beautiful picture right there. Um, share your book, your memoir of your, it says The Awakening of a Spiritual Revolutionary. So please share this. Share this wonderful book with our listeners. Okay, so while the book is definitely about my personal journey, yes. that really is secondary to the universality of the issues that we all face. Okay. And so my book starts when I was three years old. I was in a street fight in Brooklyn. And, and so, you know, it's in the book. Mm-hmm. But at one point, I pushed a kid and he fell on a rock and his head broke and he started bleeding. And at that moment, time stopped. Everything froze. Everything became still. I was three years old, and I just loved this moment. And then blood started appearing behind the kid's head, and we all sort of saw it simultaneously. And once we saw it, he realized he was bleeding and started to scream. And when he screamed, that shattered that moment of pure stillness. And I started to run. They started to chase me. And they caught me. I was, I was push-kicking my friend's tricycle down to the apartment house in Brooklyn and ringing for my mother to open the buzzer. And before she came, this kid grabbed me and he started banging my head against the wall. I said, you, you broke my cousin's head. I'm going to break yours. So that moment crystallized my life. Mm-hmm. Yes. And one of the things I saw was that I was a coward. I turned and I ran. I was scared. I was terrified. And I never wanted to have that again, and I never wanted to hurt anybody again. Right. And so that became part of the psyche that I, I presented to the world, you know? Yes. And so as a coward, I was socially inept, and this kept me from leading a successful socially uh, surface life. I couldn't live on the surface. I was already deeper than that. Okay. And so... That's where it started. Okay. So the book, so we all have this cowardice in ourselves. We're all terrified of dying. We're all terrified of being hurt. And then the challenges come to see what are you willing to stand for? Mm-hmm. What are you willing to die for? Yes. And that became the challenges of my life. Wow. And each time I would take a step towards freedom, I would be tested. Oh, really? What about this? So when I was 18 as a freshman when I got on the bus to go to uh, Montgomery for the civil rights marches. Mm-hmm. I was terrified. Yeah. I mean, um, the Rev- Reverend Reeb had just been beaten to death in Selma coming off just one of those buses the day before. And the police were using fire hoses and dogs on the marchers in Selma. Mm-hmm. Where, this is where Dr. King was. I was going to Montgomery where SNCC was, which was kind of the radical left of the civil rights thing. And so the plan was that we would be demonstrating in Montgomery while they were in Selma. And then this is what led to the Selma to Montgomery March. Mm, Okay. That came out of these street demonstrations. So, you know, I had to face my fear. Yes. And do it anyway. Mm -hmm. And then the tests became bigger. And Mm -hmm. the tests got more Mm -hmm. life-threatening. Yes. Mm -hmm. So I, 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 what I hear is um, everyone has fear that they, to, to, to actually transform fear is to face it head on, is to, tra- to for me, you can't run away from it. Matter of fact, um, there's a, a, a quote that kind of, I, I don't know if I put it together from different things that I listened to, um, but that just a few days ago, this, this was the quote that came to me. When in regard to fear or anything we try to run away from, um, instead of trying to run away from what we fear, walk towards what we want. You know, it, 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 you know, and instead of running away, trying to pushing away me, something. That's good. Let me give you a middle path. Okay. Instead of, instead of running away, instead of moving towards what you want, stay still. Don't move. Yes. 
then what comes comes and what goes goes and fear will come and fear will go you can't you don't transform fear there's nothing to transform fear is just an idea we put on energy Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. without the thought of fear it's just energy okay and even with the thought of fear it's just energy there's no transformation it's just owning your own energy which it's all just your own chi yes Yes, yes, yes. And that's just so true. Uh, like I was saying, everything is the oneness. The, the, the love, the fear, the hate, the good, the bad, the ugly. It's all one. It's all God. It's not, it's not apart from God. And um, I love it, the, the stillness true. Because for me, before I can walk towards the things I want, I have to be still. I have to go within and hear what step where which direction to go um instead of um pushing against and running away from my from my fear i quiet my mind i go within and i kind of allow my higher self to guide me to make that step towards where i want what i want but yes uh, i think it's so important as spiritual people um to understand that the yin, the yin symbol, which is half white, half black, and it's equal. The dark and the light, the black and the white are equal. So the fear and the love in God's eyes is equal. They're not, they're, they're, they're the flip side of the same coin. They're the same, but opposites. But in even being opposites, they're, the, they're equal. They're, the energy is is equal in the sense that, like you said, it's it's just for me embracing your fear, like you did, you know, embracing your fear and and, and not trying to push it because we try to push things away, you know, we try to push and it, there's no pushing it away because there's nowhere to put it. All there is is all there is is us. All there is is God, and and there's nowhere to put. I want, I don't want that. I'm gonna push it away. You can't. It, it, it's a part of you. It's a part of the collective. And to embrace it, to me, that's why I said love transforms it. So it, it, doesn't, it doesn't feel like fear anymore. It could be, you know, you can be horrified at one point, but then you can like, okay, I'm going to sit with this. I'm going to understand this. I'm going to embrace this. And to me, when I embrace it, it transforms. So you're smiling. <laughs> but yes, see, you were right there in the thick of it with the civil rights movement. I was too young at the time. <laughs> but uh, I do, I, of course, I, I know um, the struggles that went on in the, in the 60s um, when I was a baby and growing up. But I, I always say, now this is interesting, because you were right there in the thick of things with the... Um, civil rights movement, I say, and I get flack from this sometimes, that I don't, I've never honestly identified with the color of my skin. And that, that came before I even understood oneness. Now that I understand oneness, I totally don't identify with the color of my skin. Because to me, this is, actually, to me, this is a spacesuit. And, and I've gone through life, many, many different lifetimes. And for this particular lifetime, I chose a spacesuit that has a brown outer appearance. It's like the color of my car in my driveway. You know, sometimes I have black cars, sometimes I have white cars, sometimes I have yellow cars. It's, it's just, yeah. it's just an outer shell. Sure. Yeah. Except that I would say that when I got to Montgomery, the neighborhood we were in, we were sleeping in the Jackson Street Baptist Church, and the neighborhood was cordoned off by the police, and Ku Klux Klan guys were riding through. And the feeling in the community was so, I'd never experienced that before. Mm -hmm. This was aliveness, yes. this humanity. It was so different from the white bread, white culture. And so that, you know, definitely, it's not about the skin color, right. but there's a flavor, there's an essence, there's a soul. Yes. And that's, that's really what I was attracted to when I went to Montgomery. Yes. Yes, yes. And I, I, when I say that I don't identify with skin color, it's just because I'm just not identifying with the physical aspect. Right. I'm and I, identifying with the soul. It's all God, right? Yes, it's all God. <laughs> and that's, yes, it's all okay, God. So, 
there's this guy, who, a devotee comes away from his guru realizing it's all God, it's all one, it's all God, it's all one. And he's sitting in the road in bliss. It's all God, it's all one. This elephant's coming towards him and the rider on the elephant is saying, get out of the road, get out of the road. And he's saying, it's, uh, the elephant is God, the rider is God, his shouting is God, the road is God, I am God. And he gets run over by the elephant. <laughs> I knew you were going to go there. Okay. <laughs> he goes, I, crawling. He goes I, crawling back to his guru. Yes. And the guru says, why didn't you listen to God telling you to get off the road? <laughs> yes, exactly. It was God telling him to move out the way. Exactly. And he did. That's kind of like the, with the, uh, the, the joke about the guy who was in the boat. Uh, it was a flood, and he's in right. the boat, and the helicopter comes, and it's like, no, God will save me. Then, uh, uh, you know, another boat, uh, you know, God will save me. Then when he gets to heaven, he's like, God, why didn't you save me? Well, I sent you a helicopter. I sent you this. I sent you that. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So definitely, you know, um, and I love that we're laughing about this because it is so true. It's It's a perception of, okay. We're all God. Now when you awaken to that truth, what do you do with that? Then I think that's where you're going, heading with that. You know, I, I could be wrong. When you awaken to that, there's no one to do anything. And then there's no one to want, there's no one to fear, there's no one to hide, there's no one to chase or run. And then you can be as you are, completely silent, completely yes. present, completely still. Yes. And life comes and goes as it does, and it's beautiful. This is so true. That, that is so true. And that's what I have experiencing and am re-experiencing in every now moment because it's a, a reminding myself of this truth in every now moment that I am not separate from the, I'm not separate from the KKK guys that I live in Pennsylvania and I know there's KKK up here. You know? And I'm like, I'm not separate from them. I mean, our, our beliefs are probably polar opposites but it, they're still an aspect of God. And I love the my term is unity within diversity. I love being able to sit down. I would love to be able to actually sit down. If a KKK leader want, would want to sit down with me and agree to sit down with me and have a respectful sharing exchange. Um, and I know people think, what oh, is she crazy? You know, but because I, I honor every soul. And I know even if we don't agree, and, and we're not going to all agree, we're not going to all believe the same, we're not going to all have the same religion, we're not going to all look the same, we're not going to be clones, we're going to be unique aspects of the divine. And once we can honor that unique aspect of divine in everyone, regardless of what their beliefs, regardless of their politics, regardless of, even if they're steeped in hate, I just, I look at them and I say, okay, this is their journey. This is their path, but they are still a divine aspect of God. You know, they're not separate. Yes. So, so share more of your journey. I love that. I love horses. Are you good with horses at, at riding? Well, you know, I'm riding in Peru. You know. Okay. Yes, I was good with them, but I was stayed on them. Okay. <laughs> I haven't ridden in many years, but I love horses. Yes. Yeah. I bought my first horse when I got there. I was back in the back country where they'd never seen a gringo before. They'd never yeah. seen a hippie before. I was a hippie and uh, I bought my first horse for $5. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. How long were you there? How long were uh, you in Peru? Six months. Six months. Okay. Awesome. So I tell us. Yeah, I was the first, uh, I mean, they'd never seen anything like me. Yeah. And, and the villagers are all Quechua, so they're kind of short people, native yeah. people. And okay. I'm, like, I'm this bearded, ponytail, giant white man from outer space. You know, you're talking about outer space. <laughs> you look like a Martian to them. That's yes. right. I was like, they'd never seen anything like it, you know. Okay. And it was great. It was so much fun. This last town that I lived in, before we went into the uncharted areas, had... Um, the last outpost of the Peruvian government. And so they had electricity, which means that on festival days, they would power up a generator and turn on a light in the plaza. Okay. They had one light bulb. Okay. <laughs> that was their electricity, wow. That was their electricity. Water came from the river, 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, I would help the women in the courtyard carrying jugs of water for them. Wow. And, uh, wow. It was really back in time. It was like 19th century Wild West kind of thing, you know, stucco. And uh, it was beautiful. Yeah, I bet. I bet. Wow. Now, I love the title, An Outlaw Makes It Home. I love that title, but I, I want to share this too. For me, home, we've never true. The, the, to me, life is a paradox. The journey and the destination are the same. We never truly leave home, but we don't know that. That's why we, we make this journey to find home. But when we get there, we realize we've never left. That's right. Because there's no one to leave. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yes. 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 So, but I love it. An outlaw makes it home. Is is such a. It's it's really. It's poetic. It's poetic. Oh, thank you. So share more. I mean, you've shared a little bit of this beautiful journey. Share a little more. Mm. One of those stops in Peru along the way, I met a, a shaman healer, traditional man. And uh, I went to his place. We rode our horses out to this village and we chewed cocoa leaves together. I gave him a bottle of whiskey as kind of an offering mm-hmm. and we chewed cocoa leaves. And then he would throw them in the air and watch them fall, the ones we hadn't eaten. And he read me out. He knew about my past, he knew about my life that no one in Peru could have possibly have known. He said, oh, you've been arrested. I see you've been arrested. Oh, and I see you've had some bad luck with women. My, I've been divorced from my wife at that point. He says, but I'll make you an omelet, an amulet to you know, have better luck with women. Mm-hmm. And uh, he just read me out. And he said, and you're on this spiritual journey. And you're going to a place uh, beyond the Rainbow Bridge where you're going to find the light. Mm-hmm. I mean, how did he know any of this, you know? I mean, he, he only spoke Quechua. Mm-hmm. I, had no, I only spoke English with a little Spanish. And so there's no way he could have gained anything, but he read me. Wow. That, when things like that, it just, ooh, it gives me the, you know, wow, that they're definitely, you know, shamans that can read. And, and, and again, they're reading the energy at right. that present moment. That's right. That, that's what they're reading. They're reading your energy at that present moment, which is amazing. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Wow. Um, and now, let's see. Here, now, from your book, it shares your journey in, in, right. in your, to your, your journey to awakening. Now, can you give the listeners um, any advice or tips along sure. their journey? Yes. First, you have to know what you want. Really know. You have to know in the deepest part of yourself to know what you really want. Because we all have conditioned wants and we have biological wants. Mm -hmm. We all have the biological wants for survival, for sex, for family. That's that's programmed in. Mm -hmm. And we all have society's wants that have been imprinted on us from the time we were little. I mean, I can still sing the jingles from the television of the 50s because that was just programmed into me, you know? And so... We have different layers of wants and desires. But when you find your one true deepest desire for whatever it is, one thing, you give everything else to that one thing. So you have to be willing to die to everything else but that one thing. And if it's freedom, if it's truth, if it's knowing yourself, if it's love, you give yourself to it 100%. And then there's nothing to do. You can't go anywhere. You can't do anything. You have to just simply stop. Mm-hmm. And, and if you're willing to stop, that means your mind stops, your movement stops, everything becomes still. Yes. And in this stillness, you dive within. You go deeper than the external phenomena. You go deeper than the internal phenomena. You go beyond everything that you believe is real to find the real. Everything that you believe is true, you leave behind to find what's true. Which means you have to enter naked and alone into the depths of yourself without any foreknowledge, without any concepts and beliefs, without any ideas. 
Then you plunge into the unknown, you face your own death. And in that, you wake up and realize yourself. And that's the beginning. Yes. <laughs> That's, that's so true. Yeah, waking up is really just the beginning. That is so true. And I know for me, like I said, it, it once I, I woke up to the truth of oneness, and, it, and I say not from the intellectual level, even though it was quantum physics that inspired my awakening, but it, it, it was a heart, it was a knowing, knowing that I am a part, uh, not just a part of the universe, but knowing that I am a holographic, multidimensional aspect of the universe, meaning the entire universe is in this little me, you know? And, and when I woke up to that knowing that, for me, I just wanted to share it with everybody. I was like, wait a second, you guys gotta wake up and you know, wake up. <laughs> and that's why I said the, the inspiration for the show that came three years ago, the title came from inspiration, Awake to Oneness. This is what, you know, somebody could hear the title of my show and know exactly what I'm about. I'm about this, this connectivity that we are all one, regardless of any other criteria. And, 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 and following that, like you said, it, it's just, it, it's being. So now the best way for me to share oneness is to be oneness. That's right. But, yes. Be yourself. Yes. Then there's nothing to share. No need to share it. And it emanates quite naturally. Yes. Yes. It, life flows easily. I always say the other quote or uh, saying I have is everything is downstream, meaning mm -hmm. everything you want is downstream. When you just let go and allow the, the stream of the universe to take you, it takes you to exactly where you want to be. So that's where, that's where your work, where the, the feeling of struggle and, and working hard, that ends. Because now you just allow the universe to take you where you want to go. All right. Another point of that on the other side is my teacher said, everyone is being washed downstream. Mm -hmm. Everyone's being washed downstream. And to take a stand in the middle of the stream to say, I must be free. I want to be free in this very life. It's going against the current by not moving at all. Mm. And then as people wash by you, they'll call you and tempt you and try to get you back in the flow. It's, oh, go with the flow, go with the stream, let go, let God. And <laughs> yes. firm in yourself as I must be free. Yes. And you're out of the stream. Because you are the universe, as you said, and it's all holographic, and it's all within a, each one, within each cell. My God, every every cell has DNA, the same DNA inside of it. How many cells? And there are more organisms actually living than human cells on our body. So it's all. But um, yes. What happens when the universe is over? Where does it come from? Where did it go? It, we know it was born, which means it will die. So. Mm. <laughs> we, know how, we know how old the universe is, right? The universe is what, 19 billion years old or something like that. So we know it had a birth moment, which means it will have a death moment. How it's going to die, conjecture. Some say it's going to expand forever and get cold. Some say it will contract again. All different theories. We don't know how it's going to die, but right. it's going to die. Right. So, what's before the universe? That's hmm. where I am. Okay, I get you. Now, I I have a different pers perspective there. I don't believe it was ever born. I don't believe it will ever die. <laughs> I yeah. believe it's infinite. Oh, uh, I thought you were a scientist. No, I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't say I was a scientist. I said science helped inspire my awakening. Uh, well, science will also tell you the age of the universe. There is a I know they will try, but... <laughs> to me... They know when the first waves start, you know. We can um, still find the, early, the earliest radio waves that were sent out from the Big Bang that started. Uh -huh. the, uh -huh. So here's another way of thinking of it. That okay. 
in the Old Testament, it says, first there was the Word, mm -hmm. and the Word was God, mm -hmm. and the Word is with God. Right. And what does that mean? So first was the Word. So what if the Word is I? Mm -hmm. I, and the universe is born. Mm -hmm. And every particle, every speck, every vibration, every frequency is all vibrating I. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But that I has uh, before the universe. Mm -hmm. Where did it come from? Mm -hmm. I do hear what you're saying, but I honestly think time, I think all there is is the now. All of the, 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 the past, the present, and the future is happening now. So the Big Bang is happening now. Um, I think that, that mankind humanity uses the linear time of past present and future no, I, I agree. as a as a, a tool that's right mm -hmm. it is all happening now yes and the big bang is part of what's happening now well what i'm speaking about is what's before the big bang okay <laughs> i hear you I, and i cannot <laughs> answer that question but i uh, my perception there is no beginning and there is no end it right. just is all now Yes. It's all there. When, and I love the question, when has there ever not been now? Yes. <laughs> but here's the, here's the trick of now. Okay. Is that um, by the time you hear me say these words, it's already passed. Yes. And by the time you take in the waves and vibrations and process them in your brain and then speak, it's already passed. Yes. So we're all actually, as physical dimensional beings, we're living in the past. You can't live in the now. The only way you can live in the now is by transcending time and space, mm -hmm. which is what's before the universe. This universe true. is time and space. This is true. And I know that heart math has done some experience, experiments where your heart energy knows what's going to happen before it happens. In a sense, like a few seconds, like, you know, a few seconds before it happens, your heart already knows it's going to happen before your conscious mind does. So, the MRI shows that. MRI yeah. show that the decision-making happens in a different part of the brain. Yes. The conscious mind that says, I'm going to choose this. It happens before that. So that's, exactly. that's science. Yes. Yes. That is science. <laughs> I, I like science. Science is cool. Yeah. <laughs> but I, when I think of, I don't think of a before and an after, because for me, it's all now. This is just my perspective. I mean, yeah. Um, so that's, that's why, true. yeah. That's I, I support that. Yeah. yeah. And I know <laughs> now is our point of power, meaning it's we make we what we the decisions we make right now is is the only thing that matters. The the like we could, sometimes we can beat up on ourselves for things that have happened in the past, or we can worry about things we think might happen in the future. But the past and the future, they're, they're not where your power lies. Your power lies in this now moment. That's right. Yes. Yeah. So that also helps me to stay grounded and it, to, to stay in the now moment as much as possible and not worry about the future or our, our fret or regret the past to really just say, okay, now is all I have. And in this now moment, let me try to emanate as much as I can love and oneness and peace in this now moment. And from one now moment to the next. <laughs> the next one, huh? That's it. You thought I was a, you're funny. You thought I was a scientist. <laughs> No, no, no. But I, I do. I love, I love the, the progress. Doesn't having the next now moment you put you back in time and space? Huh? Say that again. Doesn't having a next now moment assume that there's another one? That there's more than now, one now moment, and they're linear in some way? If you have a next I, now I moment? Think the human brain lo loves to line things up like that. That to me, that's a part of humanity. That's a tool of humanity. But knowing that the now, the now is all there is. So even that that next now moment, the moment before, is still in that now. It's you know, <laughs> it's it's uh, it's uh, well, you know how I like to think of it. 
Okay, I, I love the demonstration with the movie reel. When you have a reel, a movie reel, and you mm -hmm. have on the movie reel, there's just still pictures. Individual frames. Yep. Yes, individual frames. And you can pull out that reel and look at the beginning of that movie and the end of the movie and the whole thing at once. Yeah. Right? And so each now moment is just a frame. Right. You know, but you can actually, you can go to the end of that that movie reel. You don't have to start, you could start at the end and work your way backwards in that movie reel. Or you can jumble up all the frames. That's called know? therapy. <laughs> so that's how I like to think of life. Life is a still moment yeah. in time that, and we just, each now moment is just another still moment in time. Yes. Yes. So, but I do, I, I kind of stay grounded in the now as much as possible. For me, that helps me to, you know, to just live my truth to the best of my ability is by staying grounded in the now. Beautiful. <laughs> so, so where now you, you, Where did you grow up? Oh, I grew up in New Jersey. Uh -huh. New Where? Jersey. I'm a Jersey girl. I've lived in the Poconos now for 26 years. So mm -hmm. I love the mountains. Mm -hmm. uh, like I said, we get tons of snow. We have six months of winter up here in the mm -hmm. Poconos. But mm -hmm. I originally was born and raised in New Jersey. Where? Where in Jersey? Um, I was born in Newark and raised mm -hmm. in Bergen County. I went uh -huh. to school in Oakland, New Jersey from sixth mm -hmm. grade through high school. Mm -hmm. Oh, and I say Oakland, and people think Oakland, California. No, Oakland, New Jersey. There's an yeah. Oakland, New Jersey. Yeah. So it's it, a very, I had a very interesting upbringing in the sense my father it was a dentist. He's, he's transitioned. My mom was a supervisor at, of a hospital lab. They were both into medicine, and they sent me to Catholic school while we were living in Newark when I was young, and then a way to live with my aunt in Oakland, New Jersey, and it was an all-white school. It was mm -hmm. my brother, myself, and this is in the mid-70s, so 76 through 80. Um, my, actually, no, it had to be 74 through 80. Um, but my brother, myself, and my cousin, we were the only uh, students of color, except for this one Indian girl, which <laughs> uh, so she didn't consider herself of color. But anyway, <laughs> I mean, when I tried to interact with her, she was like, mm. but it's like, okay. But uh, um, honestly, I think having that experience um, allowed me not to identify with my color um, mm -hmm. growing up. Like I said, I was uh, 10, 11 when I was sent to live with my aunt. Mm -hmm. And um, I just, you know, I just didn't, I said, okay, well, there's, there are light-skinned people around me. <laughs> but uh, they're all, you know, I just was one that I got along with everybody. And even, <laughs> it's funny, um, in my yearbook, uh, friends will tell me that there are actually racist comments in my yearbook from now, people reading my yearbook from back then, and that I that totally went over my head. Well, it was just one comment where someone wrote, oh, for summer break, you know, have a great summer, don't eat too much watermelon. Mm. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. that totally yeah. went over my head. But that's someone so reading it today is like, yeah. that's racist. It's like, oh, it yeah. is? Yeah. That went over my head, you know? yeah. <laughs> So I think that was, you know, that kind of shaped who I am, Beautiful. you know, that, 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 um, that being, you know, living in, at, in Newark, there was colored black people around me all the time. Um, and then going to school in Oakland, there's white people around me all the time. So yeah. it gave, my parents actually gave me, immersed me in both, mm -hmm. you know, um, realities, and I think that really shaped me, shaped who I am today. Did you go to college? Yeah, I went to University of Virginia, mm. down in UVA, down in Virginia, Charlottesville, mm. Virginia. I got mm. married very young, and um, actually, I, I got married, I eloped at 17, right oh. after high school, and the reason I eloped is I just, uh, I felt like my my family didn't understand me, 
I felt like I was a black sheep of the family, even though I was a straight A student, I did well in school, I still felt, I never felt like I belonged. So my way of escaping was to marry my first boyfriend and run off and elope. And, but I still wanted to prove to my dad, even though I ran off and eloped at 17, that I, could, I would still go to college. So we settled, my husband and I settled in um, Charlottesville, Virginia. And I went mm. to UVA. Yeah. 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 Did you like UVA? I loved it there. I Actually, I loved Charlotte, the whole area of Charlottesville being in the Blue Ridge Mountain. I always thought that's where I would buy my home. I, now, because I, I got married young, wasn't, the marriage didn't last very long. <laughs> yeah. um, so I found myself divorced with two small children. Um, in my early 20s and I wanted to stay in Charlottesville but my family was in Jersey so I ended up moving back to Jersey mm -hmm. and then from there I always said I wanted to have a home in the country for my kids and I ended up buying a house in the Poconos but I always thought when I left Charlottesville I always thought I would end up back in Charlottesville I loved yeah. it there it's beautiful yeah yeah I'm a mountain girl I love the mountains yeah <laughs> Let's see that view. It's beautiful. Yes. Now, I want you to share more with our <laughs> listeners, though, about your book. <laughs> I want you to share more, please. Give us a little bit more uh, uh, tidbits from the book. I wouldn't know where to begin, really. Did you read it? Did you read it? I actually didn't, but I love it. I'm going to read it. I love the, you sent me a hard copy too. One of the few hard copy books I have. I am going to read it. I am. Well, I don't want to spoil it for you then. <laughs> <laughs> well, share, share some more of your awake, not your work awakening, but awakening tips for our listeners, because one of the well, things I, I did that, I did that. And you know, all, everything I said is really all that needs to be said. Mm -hmm. those, those were, that's all that's required. Yes. It's very clear. Being still, going. Actually, just... I made some steps. Okay, okay, mm -hmm. all right. minutes ago or so. <laughs> <laughs> You're funny, Eli, I love you, I love you. Because one of the things I always share with the listeners is that, I always say, um, I just share on my on this show with my guests, I just share my truth. I just share what's inside of me. But I don't try to tell people how, you know, I, I give them how I did it. You know, like I meditate daily. I go within daily. I stay, try to stay focused in the now as much as possible. So I share my process. But I also say to them, I want them to find their own, because we're all unique. And what works for me may not work for somebody else. So I always say, I, I always encourage my listeners to find what works for them, what, what calms them, what brings them peace, you know? So that it's, for me, I always say I'm not a teacher and I'm not a guru, but I say we're all teachers and we're all students of each other. What's your major in? Um, communications. <laughs> you know what? You're funny, Eli. Because you're like, okay, I'm going to interview her. <laughs> communication was my major. M music was my minor. And I teach, I've been teaching piano for 25 years. To, oh. Yes. To little students from the age of four. Actually, I've started as young as three. But from like four to 16, I teach mm. um, piano lessons. So That's I so good. I wish you had been my piano teacher. Uh, I wish I was my piano teacher. When I, think, <laughs> I had three different teachers, and I was a, talk about a, frightened. <laughs> Back in the sixties, I went to Catholic. My parents sent me to Catholic school in the sixties, where corporal punishment was still a thing. You know, they take a ruler. The nuns would take a ruler and smack you over the knuckles. And I yeah. thankfully. Only once, okay. <laughs> I'll share. And it wasn't a nun, it was just a regular teacher. My second grade teacher, it was the first day of second grade. Now I'm short, like I'm only 5'2". I'm short. She set me way in the back and she handed out new, new notebook, new, new spellers. And when she was handing out the books, she said, don't open them. And I honestly forgot 
<laughs> it was a pure innocence. I'm sitting in the back. I couldn't really see her or hear her that well. And as soon as the book hit my desk, you know how they pass it back, I start to open it, all excited. Ooh, a new book, new book. And she, I see her walking from the front of the room towards the back of the room and I and with a ruler in her hand. And I'm thinking to myself, oh my goodness, somebody's going to get it. Who's going to get it? Who's going to get it? And she stops at my desk. She doesn't say a word. She takes my hand uh, 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 this way, up way, not, not knuckles, but because they used to do the knuckles too. But she takes my open hand and she smacks my hand and doesn't say a word and just, just walks back to the front of the room. Now, here's the thing. I'm like, why? I, I mean, it took me, I don't know how long, maybe days or weeks to figure out why this teacher hit me because I had opened my book and she said, don't open. Well, I'm like, she could have said, I didn't I say don't open the book. She didn't say a word. So like, I'm like, I'm tears pouring down my face. But yeah. I mean, cruelty. Yeah. Cruelty. <laughs> cruelty. But uh, it's like back in, they didn't understand, you know, communicate with the child. At least tell them why you're hitting them. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I love to see, I, I have a passion. I've always had a passion for children and music. And when I bought my home, I bought a baby grand piano. And to help pay for the baby grand, I started teaching piano lessons. So that's how, the, I never planned on being a piano teacher for 25 years. It just grew out of, okay, here's a way I can make a little extra money. And I love it. Then I, you know, I just, it just became my passion. So now I just, I just follow my heart. I just do what I love. Yeah. Yes. That's so, great. And doing the show. I love it. Because I love, I started the reason well, what, I- What do you do as a communications major? They didn't have that when I went to college. They didn't have communications as a major when you went? Uh-uh. No, this was in uh, 80, 80, yeah, 84. I graduated college in 68. Oh, okay. Okay, okay, okay. Well, I went off in 80. So yeah. yeah. So what, what, what do you learn as a communication major? Oh, goodness. I studied jur journalism. I studied, um, one of the it's things like, I, I thought I would be is a journalist. Uh -huh. So English, what do you call that an English major? Oh, you guys called it an English major. Well, we studied we studied broadcasting, we studied oh, okay. journalism, we studied yeah. media, you know, things of that nature. Okay. I'll never forget I never forget when I studied um, journalism, the first thing they teach you is if it bleeds, it leads. Mm -hmm. Okay, you know, you know, in news, if it yeah. bleeds, it leads. That's the first yeah. thing they teach you. And Spirit told me, right, uh, two weeks after 9-11, Spirit told me, and then when I say Spirit told me, I don't hear Spirit audibly, it's in my heart. Two weeks after 9-11, Spirit said, turn off that news and don't ever turn it back on again. This is, so this is September uh, 2001. And mm -hmm. I didn't know why at that time. At that time, I wasn't awake to oneness. I, you know, I wasn't spiritually evolved yet to where I am now. And I, was, I heard it clear as day. Turn it off. Don't ever turn it back on. And I didn't know why. And I, just, I was obedient, though. Mm -hmm. I said, okay, don't know why I'm. And I have not watched news sense it's beautiful yes i had a very similar experience kind of that uh in 1968 during the democratic convention in chicago we were on the streets fighting the police and they had national guard they had tanks and it was we would take the streets and they would come and fight with us take it back this is during the democratic convention mm -hmm. and uh the anti-war and uh, at one point i would call my girlfriend and she was in Pittsburgh and she was watching it on the news and she was so excited to hear from me and da, da, da. And I realized either I'm going to be watching it on the news or I'm going to be on the street living it. And I unplugged the television. So I didn't really do not watch news. I stopped watching television in 1968. Wow. Okay. So there's, a, there's so many generations of shows that I have never seen. I've heard about. Okay. You know, Okay. I've heard about reality TV. I've never seen a reality TV show. Okay. I mean, I've, I, you know, I don't miss it. 
Okay. Okay. Well, that, you know, like I said, when, when spirit told me to turn off the news, like I did, and I didn't know why until actually almost 12, it was 11 or 12 years later to the date. It was an anniversary of 9-11. And now YouTube is my, I love YouTube. So I started, it was 11, it was the 11th anniversary of 9-11 that I was like, okay, I want to find out what happened. So I started YouTubing it and I've watched, I watched several that day. It, it, the thing that was so interesting about that day, it was a Tuesday. It was a beautiful September 11th day, Tuesday, same as the day that 9-11 happened on on Tuesday. And that's what was reminding me, wow, this was almost an identical day 12 years ago or 12 or 11 years ago. And I'm interested in what really happened that day. And after I spent the entire day watching documentary after documentary after documentary on YouTube. And at the end of that day, I was like, I get it. Now I understand why spirit told me to turn it off. I, I get it so, so I get it so loud and clear. And, um, but I stopped, I stopped watching television, uh, commercial television in 2011 after my mom transitioned. Um, I was taking care of my mom the last four years of her life. She was living with me and then she lived in front of the television. So I couldn't, but right after she transitioned, I got rid of commercial television. Now I do still watch television, but you, Hulu plus Netflix, but I no commercials. <laughs> I pick the shows I like and mostly shows that make me laugh. Yeah. Sometime drama, you know, but no commercials. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I did a radio show in New York uh, two days after 9-11. Okay. Uh, at WBAI. You must know WBAI. Oh, maybe not. No, but it, was, it was the uh, Pacifica Public Radio in New York mm -hmm. Okay. Actually, it used to be a Harlem station, WBAI, and then it got transitioned to a community network station. Okay. And KPFA in Berkeley, WBAI in New York. Like that kind of, okay. Left wing uh, alternative radio. Ah, yes. Well, I say after I, I did my homework on 9-11, which was, like I say, 11 or 12 years later, I want to say it was 11 years later, um, I encourage people to do their own homework on 9-11, just to, to actually see what went on that day. Very interesting, very interesting, very eye-opening when you do your homework. <laughs> Instead of just accepting what is spoon-fed to you, you know. But okay, now where did, now I'm gonna ask you, where, where did you go to school? Go to college, school. college. Yeah, I went to College University of Pittsburgh. Okay. Then I went to Graduate School of International Studies in Denver. Okay. And what was your major? Uh, English and Political Science. Okay. And in Graduate School of International Studies, I was getting a doctorate in uh, Revolution. Oh. A doctorate in Revolution. My thesis was on uh, creating the new man in Cuba and China. Mm. Attempts to change consciousness through social controls. Mm, very interesting. Yeah. Wow. It's just, it's just so wonderful that now we are living in a time where I could, I'm doing this show obviously from my home office and right. I'm, I'm reaching the world, yeah. I, you know, and it's just so amazing how times have changed. The internet, which has its ups and its downs, but it's very interesting because now that that internet has become a, a communication network for the world, okay. you know, a nervous system. That nervous system. Yes. And that was how they envisioned it. Say that again, I'm sorry. That's how it was envisioned, you know. Yes. I mean, certain visionaries, Steve Jobs certainly saw the potential of changing the world, right? Yes, it's so true. You can truly touch touch people now across the world much more, you know, readily, easily with this technology. So technology, like it, I think now, so I don't have a cell phone. I don't own, I'm gonna say that, a, I don't have a smartphone. 
I have a cell phone in case I get a flat tire and I need to call for help. It's an old-fashioned flip phone, but I don't have a smartphone <laughs> because I work from home and I work on three computers at once. Matter of fact, my son who's in spirit, I, I always use his laptop to do record my shows on. He says he's my co-host. He's already told me that. He's in spirit. He um, transitioned four year, almost four years ago on um, July 1st, uh, 2014. And I know he's not gone. That's why I brought up no death thing. Because I, and I, I speak with a lot of people, especially parents who have um, children in spirit. And, and the message is they're not gone. They truly aren't. They, they're not in their body anymore, but that was just a, a space suit anyway, and a temporary space suit. But uh, so that's why I brought up the, the there's no beginning and there's no ending because for me, there is no death. So he, I like hearing your Jersey accent. Do, do you think I have a Jersey accent? I picked up some. Yeah. Do you? Okay, now here's the funny thing. When I moved to Virginia. You know, I didn't notice it at first. <laughs> Because you've really? got to be, you know, you've been really, you've really polished it off. But when you said, we're going to buy a house, it was a buying the house. Had a... <laughs> well, that's funny. Now, when I moved to Virginia, what year was that? That had to be 80, 80, 81, 80, 80. When I moved to Virginia, I was told by people, the locals in Virginia, they thought I was from England. They said, I, because I, I speak so proper. Now, my dad, brought us up to say, you speak the king's English, That's you right. know, so. Well, just now, when you said brought us up, there's Jersey there. Okay. <laughs> okay. You know what, I'm not even, I know, I can definitely pick out a Brooklyn accent and a New uh -huh. York accent, but yeah. I don't know if I can pick out a Jersey accent. Uh -huh. Now, Jersey, sure. Now, uh -huh. yeah, that's a Jersey accent. But. <laughs> But that's fun. Now, share, okay, share with our listeners how they can find you and get a copy of your book. Share your website with our listeners. Well, the book's on Amazon, so let's get it there. Okay. It's uh, published by New Morning. New Morning Books has its website, uh, newmorningbooks.com. And then I have my website where I teach, which is leela.org, L-E-E-L-A.org. Okay. Tell and us more about, about... Yeah, I've school where I'm training people, and uh, it's happening in Amsterdam and in Australia and here in Ashland, Oregon. And that's for training people who are helpers, whatever kind of way you're serving. It's called okay. being a true friend. And so it's being a true friend. I like that. I like that, being a true friend. And share your website one more time and the found name of your foundation. It's a Leela Foundation, L-E-E-L-A dot O-R-G. Okay. And um, that, that means the Leela Foundation is, what's the? Leela is Sanskrit. It means the play of God. So when you're in suffering, you're in Maya. When you wake up and you're a conscious player in the illusion, then you're in Leela. I love that. That is so, yes, I love that. That is so beautiful. Now, one of, one of the other things I was inspired, when I was inspired to start my podcast, which I didn't even know the word podcast when I started, I wanted to start an internet radio show, found out that's podcasting. Okay. But also I, I founded an organiz, a nonprofit organization in my son's memory. Um, my son's name is Kyle. And the name of it is the Kyle Foundation. Now, Kyle stands for Keep Your Light Expanding. So I spell Kyle in all caps because I use it as Kyle's name as an acronym. So the Kyle Foundation is another um, nonprofit organization I founded here in the state of Pennsylvania. That's good. Which has the same mission as the show, uh, to inspire the world, to awaken to the universal truth of oneness because I truly see mankind awakening to the truth that we're all one and once the imagine the world waking up tomorrow everybody on the planet knows that we're all one that would put it into war poverty greed crime I mean you name it that's right 
That's the mission. That's the mission of the Viva Foundation. Yes. And my name is also an acronym, in a way. You know, because if you haven't noticed how my name is spelled, it's spelled with an X. Jackson Bear with an X. Yes. What's the X for? The X is for Malcolm. Oh, okay. Did you get to meet him? I didn't get to meet him, but I, you know, I met the Snick guys, Stokely and okay. You know, crew. Did you meet Dr. King? I was in the church where he preached, but I didn't meet him personally. Okay. I was just, you know, he came to the church where we were sleeping in Montgomery, and he, well, oh wow, and what he, you know. We're all packed, jam-packed into this church. You know, the possumen, these clansmen on horses with clubs and whips have been attacking us. And he gives this amazing sermon. After we spent hours singing freedom songs and building the energy and it's rocking and the whole church is hot and sweaty and rocking with the music and he comes in and just takes it to another level, you know, and just transcends it and it's so beautiful. Wow. And I don't remember exactly what he said. This was 1965. Okay. So, but he said, if you can't, if you can fly, then fly. If you can run, then run. If you can walk, then walk. And if you can crawl, then crawl. But by all means, keep on moving towards freedom. That is so beautiful. That is so true and so beautiful. Thank you so much, Eli. It's been so wonderful having you again. And I'd love to have you anytime. Uh, it's just amazing. So now, um, I'm, are you, you're in Berkeley, you're on the West Coast? Yes. I'm, on the West, I'm in Oregon. In, oh, beautiful. Now I've only been on the West Coast once in my life. I was invited by a guest, um, Reverend Michael Beckwith, to um, go to a, uh, an event in LA. LA, yeah, he does the Prosperity Church in LA. Yes, yes, and they were having their annual celebration called Revelation um, 2015. He was mm -hmm. one of my first guests on my show. And yeah. so I've only been on the West Coast one time, but I, oh, I would love or to see Oregon. I would love to just, yeah. just go up and down the Pacific, was it Pacific Coast Highway? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and, and the Pacific Coast Trail, you know, you can walk from Mexico to Canada and never see anybody. You can just be on wilderness the whole way. And I love hiking. That's a long yeah. hike. <laughs> That's a long hike. But you know, you, there's a movie about this girl who made the hike from California to Oregon. And uh, I forget the name of the movie, but it's good. So Ashland is where she came out. And that's where I live. And it's great for hiking. And oh, wow. Kind of oh, wow. I would love, well, I, I went camping um, Memorial Day weekend. And it was upstate New York. Mm -hmm. And we actually hiked from New York State to Massachusetts. But guess how guess how far we actually hiked? Half a mile. A mile. A, a one mile. A little, oh. little, little longer than a half mile. It was one mile. But uh -huh. I didn't even know, I didn't even know Massachusetts bordered right. New York State. But right. where we were camping, there was a hike. We, you could hike one mile to a waterfall. Uh -huh. And you, you see where you're crossing New York State into Massachusetts. I was yeah. like, we just hiked from New York to Massachusetts. <laughs> but that is so much fun. Well, thank you so much. This has been so wonderful. I mean, I get a high every time I do a show. It's just, I love my guests. And and you must come back. And I must look for you when I get onto the West Coast. Yes, please come visit us in Ashland. You would love it here. It's so good. I know I would. I know I would. Thank you so much. This has been so wonderful. Great, great. great. I haven't even been, I don't even know how long. I never keep track of the time. I just, hey, it's my show. We can go as long. as we want. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you, Carolyn.